You are listening to the Inside Out Podcast. Brent Kimball and Michael Anderson discuss all things living the gospel with those inside of the family of God and bringing the gospel to those outside of the family of God. Let's live Inside Out. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 119 of the Inside Out Podcast. I am here, joined as always by Brent Kimball. Brent, I come to you today, like I do so often, looking for wisdom. I hope you're ready to give me some guidance and some wise counsel. Uh, well, I, I guess I'll do my very best to give you guidance and wise counsel. So help me God. I, my, my right hand is up okay. right now. It is. My like vast list in the audience cannot see this, but I will do my best. I do not guarantee that it's wisdom from God. I'll just try to answer the questions. Okay. So oftentimes... You and I, we will, uh, we have a, a monthly meeting that we'll usually have over lunch. Yes. And oftentimes how that goes is you ask me if I've been to a certain restaurant to which I will say no. Um, I, I haven't been to a lot of restaurants, it feels like, in the area. Tomorrow night, I, my wife and I are going to go out to dinner. Great opportunity to go out on a, a bit of a date with, with my spouse, and I need some ideas. Where should I go? I okay. trust your wisdom. Okay, this is a, I can answer this question from my own opinion. Okay. I'm not standing behind my pulpit right now, so I can offer an opinion. Okay. Um, with a free conscience. So, the first, I guess I got a little clarification. Okay. Do you want to air on this podcast what your budget is? Or do you just want some ideas and then I can tell you behind, after the can- microphone is off, kind of what those cost? Okay. Well, no, that's fine. We, I'll say this. Probably, I don't know what, like 50 to $100? Well, that's a pretty good span. <laughs> All right. So we're anywhere from a real, um, like a, just a cut loose at Dairy Delight. <laughs> With milkshakes and fries and onion rings, burgers, and whatever else they have. I'm going to try that. I'm going to go home and say, Allie. We're going to go below $50 at Dairy Delight. cut loose at Dairy Delight. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm talking like tip and everything, though. Okay. So let's see. So I'll just give you some ideas. Okay. Um, Jesse and I, we're recording this on Thursday, the 16th of February. Yep. We were both serving Jesus on Valentine's Day but not together. So mm-hmm. we were leading City Point men and City Point women, so we didn't get a Valentine's Day night okay. on Valentine's Day. But, of course, because our marriage is a priority in our lives, we had that date last night, okay. Wednesday night. So we went to one of our favorites, and that's up in Bellingham, and it's called Scotty Brown's. Okay. I th- have you been to Scotty Brown's? Yes. Okay, so you're familiar. Yes. It's a nice atmosphere, kind of a posh setting. Yep. My one, I don't have any complaints on their food or their service, but they do have loud music. Okay. Jesse likes that, kind of adds to a festive atmosphere for yeah. her. To me, I start to have a difficult time it's thinking. distracting. Yeah, and so I actually, we were there a couple of weeks ago with some friends, and I, I asked the waitress any chance, we were sitting directly under a speaker, And I asked the waitress, any chance we could turn that music down just a touch? And she said, no, it's controlled by corporate in Canada. I was like, are you lying to me right now? I feel like that's not true. This feels like 1984-ish. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, it was 
I mean, they've got really great food. I think it's a reasonable price. Okay. Re- we had fish tacos last night, Jesse and I did. Yeah. With this uh, this Thai soup they have, and man, it's like I don't remember what the total bill was, but those plates were bulk. You know, they're under twenty dollars. Yeah. So you figure tax and tip on top of that, whatever it was. Okay. Fifty five dollars, okay, something great. like that. So reasonable for a nice setting, right? Yeah. I mean, that's a nice restaurant. Clean, posh. Uh, just nice setting. Okay. So that's an option. Okay. Scotty option, Brown's. Option A. Okay. Now, there is, there's two places down in Arlington. One, I'm actually going with some friends. Jesse and I are going with some friends on Sunday that I think you've heard of before. Maybe you've been there. Have you been to Nutty's Junkyard Grill? I've heard of it. You yes. haven't been there? I haven't been there. Okay. So it's the other it's the other side of the spectrum from Scotty Brown's. It's like this garage-like setting. Okay. And, um, but they are, hands down, the best burgers in this whole area. They're super good burgers. So if you're just looking for gigantic onion rings, and uh, you're probably not doing milkshakes and stuff these days. I don't but know. But if you did, they got, they've got really good milkshakes. Okay. Um, and super good burgers. Okay. Like the best burgers. So that's... That's an option. And I think they're pretty reasonable, too. You buy the burger separate from the fries. But even when you put it all together, you're like, wow. Because it's a big burger. Like, it's reasonable. Okay. So that's it. Nutty's Junkyard okay. Grill. I've wanted to go there. But I was talking with the City Point men this last week about what are they doing with their wives. And I said, We're, my Jesse and I are going to Scotty Brown's tomorrow night, et cetera, et cetera. And somebody mentioned a bistro in Arlington that's a a bit pricier than Scotty Brown's, okay. but I guess like super good food. Haven't tried it yet. I think it was, I, I may be wrong on this, but I think it was Bistro San Martin. I think that's the one they mentioned. Okay. And so that might be something to, um, that might be something to consider as well. If you want like, you know, fancy, nice, but a little more expensive, you know, you're probably talking 35 to $40 a plate. So you're going to be tipping into that $100 bill okay. probably. Um, but that would be one that I haven't tried yet, and uh, but was recommended by a couple of guys at, um, at the City Point Men meeting. So really? there okay. you go. So thumbs down on the Dairy Delight, although that's one of Jordan's favorite places. Yes, I know. So, And I had it one time, but it's way too much like fast food for me. Okay. I'm out on the Dairy Delight. Thumbs up on the Junkyard Grill, Nutties down in Arlington. Definite thumbs up on Scotty Brown's. And then possibly this um, Bistro San Martin might be a really nice place to go for, um, for a nice meal out with your bride. Okay. I think... And then there's stuff local, you know, there's some good, there's some good local places, the Fairhaven and Burlington. I always like that. The food is really good. Mm-hmm. The atmosphere is a little bit tough. If you were actually wanting a date, it's, I would go, mm, I'm yeah. not sure I would do that, but the food is really good. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's solid. Okay. The problem is I have to make these decisions all the time because. Yes. I remember your, your wife does not know how to decide. One on of her restaurant. bottom f- Bottom five least favorite things to do is decide on where to eat mm-hmm. at a restaurant. Mm-hmm. So this is good. This has been helpful information. Okay. So, I'm glad I could help. So, yeah, thank you for Not that. Not sure I it's wisdom that. from God, but they are my recommendations. It is, is definitely wisdom of, of some sort. And and to our vast listening audience, you can utilize these these places too. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, here's, here's a, an interesting thing 
that I came across recently, and I'm sure that you've heard this stated before, is there are people who feels like they want to fit Jesus into a certain category or a certain type of like disposition, and they will say something like, Jesus really only offended the religious people when when he taught. Have you heard that sentiment yeah, before? Yeah, the religious people verse, versus the sinners. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's pause for just a second on this. Okay. Okay? Because I think I know where you're going on it, but I'm, I'm going to kind of put it back on you as a question. Let's see where this goes. Okay. Would you agree that... Jesus' tone and demeanor was different toward the self-righteous religious versus the uh, the outsider, sinner, broken human being. Yes, kind of seemed like that, right? Yes. Okay. Okay. So that's I, I just it did it is it's like the way he addressed certain groups of people sure. in the religious side of things was a little bit different than when he came across somebody who was blind or just broken by life yep. or whatever, right? Yep. Okay. So little, little different levels of compassion. For one group of people, he formed a whip, turned their tables over, and forcibly made them exit the temple. Yep. For others, he like brings them close like little children and sure. says, you're just, you could just sure. hang out with me right here and it'll be awesome. Yeah. Right. So it's a little, yep. yeah, a little different. Okay. okay. On one hand we have brood of vipers. On the other hand, we have let the children come, come yeah, to me. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think it is a little bit different now. So yes, I have heard what you're referring to with this idea that, um, how did you state it again? They there. It's been stated that that Jesus has, Jesus really only offended the religious people. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so are you wanting a bottom line statement from me right here? Well, sure. Okay, so bottom line statement is I don't I don't think that's true. Okay, I think that the only people that Jesus doesn't offend are the people that are just like him, mm. which. Across human history, there's a grand total of zero. Yeah. There isn't anybody. So far. Yeah, so far. (laughs) So far. Yourself and myself included. When Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you have to die to yourself. That doesn't matter if you're a religious person or a sinner. And that cuts across the grain of us human Mm -hmm. beings. It's an acknowledgement that... His ways are not our ways. And if we want to hold on to our ways, we don't get his ways. And so I think that when he makes these those sorts of statements, anyone would come after me is die to himself or he cannot be my disciple. That sort of statement, it's, it, it's like that covers everybody. That's, yeah. that's, that has the potential of being offensive to everyone, not just a category of people, unless that one category is sinners which all of us are in that sure. category. So that's how I would say that. Yeah. One of the, one of the challenges is, is I've seen that you've seen that from people who feels like they have a particular bone to pick 
with the church yep. in general. And so it's coming from that slant and from that angle. But if we were to take a look at the New Testament time period and just comb through the Gospels and pull out all the different groups that Jesus interacted with, if we did a bit of a study on that, we'd find out that that Jesus ruffled quite a few feathers. And I've been thinking about this in regards to, we're going through right now our Big Screen Perspectives class, and this is the third chance I've, I've had to go through this with City Point Church. And one of my favorite weeks is coming right up and it talks about um, the intertestamental period, the, the period of time between the book of Malachi and the gospel of Matthew. Oftentimes that's been called the 400 silent years because there was no recognized prophet in the land at that time. So, so we put that, I put that 400 silent years in quotations because while there is no recognized prophet at the time, God is, is moving in the world to bring about the, the right timing for the birth of his son. So in Galatians chapter 4, we're told that Jesus came in the fullness of, of time. And so the interesting thing about the New Testament is, is once you get to Matthew, you start to notice characters characters like Pharisees and, and Sadducees. And you go, wait a second, these positions and these people weren't around in the Old Testament. I haven't read about this. And so it's interesting to kind of look at these different groups of people, find out who they were and what they stood for, and recognize that that Jesus that kind of offended everybody across the spectrum. And so what I want to do is just present to you these different people groups in contrast to each other. See how they differed and then see how Jesus may have and did upset them. And so you have the Sadducees and the Pharisees. You've probably recognized those names from your readings in the New Testament. The Sadducees were the leadership in the temple. They were priests. They tended to be wealthy. They tended to be political. And because that was the case, they had no problem with compromise. So they had no problem working under Roman authority and using it to their own advantage. Uh, not only did they compromise, but they enjoyed power. So they are going to do whatever it takes to maintain that power. And so we jump ahead to Jesus. What did Jesus do to the Sadducees? He challenged their power. They were threatened by him. And as a result, the Sadducees decide that, that Jesus is somebody that they don't necessarily want around. Another distinction of the Sadducees is that they held primarily to the teachings of the Torah and not the rest of the Old Testament canon that we recognize as inspired. And so one of the things that, that they did not believe was the resurrection of the dead. On the other hand, you have the Pharisees. And so the Pharisees are our local leaders. Uh, they, unlike the Sadducees, were not friends with Rome. They wanted to be separatists. They wanted to stay separated from the Roman culture as much as possible and maintain their established Hebrew identity. The Pharisees are of the people. Uh, they're traditional and they're really powerful and really influential at the local level. We can see this in Jesus's time and even in Paul's time. They kind of stir up crowds and incite riots against Jesus and Paul and some of the apostles in the book of Acts. They, they are very much able to stir people up against these men. Now, one of the things that the Pharisees 
did believe was in the resurrection of the dead. So while the Sadducees only held to the Torah as as being inspired, the Pharisees embraced the entire Old Testament canon. And so the Pharisees and Sadducees oftentimes would find themselves at odds, but you know, one of the things they could agree on and one of the things that united them was their dislike for Jesus. So the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Another uh, couple names we come across were the Sanhedrin and then scribes. So the Sanhedrin is, is the highest court in the land. It's led by the high priest. Now, there are several Sanhedrins throughout the area that were sort of smaller and more local ones, kind of like our county judicial system. Uh, there's also the nationwide sort of high court that takes place. And this is where Jesus is presented before his crucifixion. And it's clear to us that the Sanhedrin uh, completely disliked Jesus. This is, again, where he goes on trial. Uh, they had legal power in the land, and in order to do that, they had to have a certain level of compromise with Rome. Now, of course, on the other side, there are the scribes. We can almost think of them like lawyers. They knew the law. These men could recite the Torah backwards and forwards. That while there are lots of compromising, and there's lots of compromising taking place with Sadducees and the Sanhedrin, The scribe's response is to hold fast to tradition. Do not compromise. They focused on upholding the scripture. They focused on preserving the tradition. They are highly traditional. And believe it or not, they actually maintain a lot of credit for retaining the scriptures that we know today. Because they took the law so seriously, scribes were incredulous about some of the things that Jesus did. We can take in the Gospel of Mark, for example, in Mark chapter 2, we see Jesus doing something that maybe when you and I read it, we go, well, yeah, that's Jesus. This is just what he does. But in Mark chapter 2, verse 15, it says this, as he reclined at, at the table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. Tax collectors and sinners hanging out with Jesus. And Mark tells us that the scribes were absolutely incredulous when they saw Jesus eating with tax collectors and sinners. As They're considering Jesus as forsaking the law of Moses, or at the very least, not taking it seriously. They had problems with Jesus. Uh, Another group that that are absolutely diametrically opposed are the Herodians and the Essenes. Now, these are two groups of people that have an entirely different outlook. The Herodians, they were people of Israel who were connected to Rome. Now, these people have learned that being partnered with Rome can gain you power and wealth and all the trappings that come with those things. Now, they're not very popular. They're considered sellouts and traitors. Their desire for wealth and their desire for power is clearly threatened by Jesus proclaiming to be king. And any threat to Rome's power or the established order was a threat to their very livelihood. Now, what's interesting is the Herodians are very much progressive. They're very much the ones saying, we need to get with the times and partner with Rome and submit to Rome and do the things that they're asking us to do. And then on the other side, you have Pharisees 
who are going, no, we have to separate and we have to maintain our tradition. But in Mark chapter 3, Mark tells us something interesting, that Jesus, he heals a man with a withered hand, and at the end of that section of scripture, in Mark chapter 3, verse 6, we're told that the Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him on how to destroy him. That's such strong language. We get a sense that both the Herodians and the Pharisees, while on polar opposites of the spectrum, are both so offended and so upset by Jesus that they are conspiring on how to get rid of this man. And on the other side of the Herodians, you have a group called the Essenes. Now, these people are not mentioned in the Old Testament or in the New Testament, excuse me, but it's worth noting that uh, they are highly traditional. They are extremely separatist. They stay away from compromise to the point where they establish their own culture in the desert. Now, it's this group of people that is traditionally attributed with the writing of the Dead Sea Scrolls. So we have a lot to be thankful for to them as far as preserving many of, of the Old Testament texts that we are familiar with. And the last two groupings that we see in the New Testament are the publicans or the tax collectors and the zealots. Now, the publicans were especially reviled. The tax collectors would, would collect taxes for Rome. They are not loved by people by any stretch of the ima- imagination. Once again, this is a group of people who are compromised. They're worldly. They're disliked. They would tax travelers who would carry merchandise between properties or who were delivering goods along certain well-defined roads. And here's what Rome said, and this was their guidelines for tax collectors. They said this, listen, you have to collect what's necessary for Rome, but anything beyond that that you can get, good for you, go for it. So, of course, this set the stage for plenty of corruption by these tax collectors. The very position itself made it so unscrupulous people would practice dishonesty and would oppress their neighbor. And what's interesting is as you read through the synoptic gospels, of course, Matthew, Mark, and Luke make up the synoptic gospels, you see the phrase tax collectors and sinners grouped together quite often. In fact, we just went over it in in Mark chapter 2, where Jesus is eating with tax collectors and sinners. So even the the, the phrase and, and the position and occupation of tax collector is closely associated with someone who is absolutely sinful. These people are sellouts to Rome. Now, on the other extreme, you have the zealots. To say the least, they were anti-Rome. And to say more than that, they're essentially Rome's terrorists. We see in the history of Judaism that they are not beyond moving into a group where lots of Roman citizens are present and disguising themselves and carrying daggers and putting people to death. They are vigorously anti-Rome and wanting to return to the things that were uniquely Hebrew. But what's so interesting about this is, again, what's taking place 
in Israel at this time is you have groups of people who are wanting to be progressive. They are seeing the cultural advancements that Rome has brought about and maybe the structure that they've brought and the laws that they've brought about. And while they're harsh, it's certainly brought about a certain social order. And they say, you know what, we've got to move forward with the times. These are, these are good things that are taking place. But then you have the other side of the coin and these are people who are holding fast to tradition. And they're saying, listen, we have to preserve a sense of national identity. We cannot forsake our traditions. We have to separate ourselves from the world. And what's so interesting and so unique is that sometimes it's, a, it's the saying, like we mentioned, that, hey, listen, Jesus just offended the religious people. That's simply not true. Jesus called out people from every side of the spectrum and told them, come, take up your cross, and follow me. That's his call on Matthew. In Matthew chapter 9, Matthew himself recounts Jesus calling him, telling him to follow me. Of course, Matthew was a tax collector. And what's so interesting is in Matthew chapter 10, as we get to the list of disciples, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 4, we are told that there was a disciple, of course, named Simon the Zealot. So tax collectors who are absolutely corrupt and reviled by people because they're sellouts to Rome. And on the other hand, we have the zealots who are so extremely on the other side that they resort to terrorist acts. Jesus calls these two people from opposite sides of the spectrum and bids them to come together and follow him. And just to wrap this all up, friends, what's so beautiful about the church is oftentimes what unites us and brings us together is not our mutual interests. It is certainly not a socioeconomic backgrounds. It's certainly not our political persuasions. But what unifies us together is the person and work of Jesus Christ. And that's what's so beautiful about the gospel is that Jesus Christ unites us under one banner. Certainly his teaching was offensive to all who heard it and his as uh, Brent, as, as you shared, um, none of us has been sinless. And Jesus' teachings are offensive to anyone who has struggled with sin, which means that is everyone who has ever lived. But the beauty of Jesus is that he unites people around himself, and I'm so thankful for that. And with that being said, I'm looking forward to continuing in the book of Hebrews this Sunday as we launch into chapter 3. It's going to be a great time together. I look forward to seeing you at either 9.30 or 11 a.m. See you this weekend.